It doesn't matter if you're a solo entrepreneur. It doesn't matter if you're a Fortune 500 company. It's what is your story and is your story good? Because that's what's going to get you in front of the press. That's what's going to get a reporter to respond to your email, your tweet, your phone call, whatever it might be. Sure, like having a relationship can maybe get you in the door, but it could equally be no as it could be. Welcome to the Tribe of Leaders podcast. I'm serial entrepreneur and investor, Emmy Kirshner. And I'm known for sprinkling just a little bit of glitter throughout the streets of Philadelphia and on the stages that I speak while I help creative entrepreneurs stop struggling as the overworked admin in their business and become the CEO of their multi-six and seven-figure businesses. What has fascinated me over the years are the stories of success and failure that courageous entrepreneurs who have put it all on the line face as they change lives, disrupt industries, and become incredible leaders themselves. So if you're looking for a community of engaged entrepreneurs and you'd love to get some resources and tools that can help you fast track your business, I invite you to join the Tribe of Leaders Facebook group. The link is in the show notes if you want to connect with us. And of course, the group is free to join. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Tribe of Leaders podcast. I am so super excited, as always, but especially today, to have you get to know our guest, Andrea Holland. Andrea is the PR goddess of all things as far as getting yourself out there and known from a publicity standpoint. She's got a number of projects that she's working on, and she's going to share all of those with us. But Andrea, welcome to the show. I'm so, as I said, so super excited to have you, and I can hardly wait to hear about all of the great things that you're doing, because I think that's so typical entrepreneur, right? It's like, we can't do just the one thing. Right? Oh, Emmy, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. It's wonderful. And you know what? PR is like my gap of knowledge that I don't do anything in or dabble in. So I'm really excited to get to know a little bit more from an educational standpoint. But you know, before we dive into that, let's talk about how you got from where you were to starting multiple different projects, having your own business, what the journey's been like, and what you would do differently and what you would you know, continue to celebrate. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So People always ask me that question, like, when did you know you were going to be an entrepreneur? Like, what was your first idea? When did this start for you? And entrepreneurship found me. I actually had no conscious desire when I was younger to be like, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. I'm going to own my own business. I came from a family where it was very much like you joined corporate America, you climbed this proverbial ladder, you know, to success type thing. And that's what success was. You know, I was the first one in my family to go to college too. So I think given that context, that was reasonable, right? And, you know, I dabbled with certain things in my 20s. You know, I had a little headband business going for a while and whatnot. And it kind of gave me a taste of like, oh, that's really cool. Like, that's how that feels like to create something. But in my mind, it was never something that that was the end all be all. After nearly 10 years in corporate America, I was in San Francisco in Silicon Valley, and I was working for some of the world's largest global PR firms. And I was doing PR for Intuit, PayPal, Visa. I helped launch LegalZoom. And I found myself you know, at this tipping point after almost a decade where I was about to be promoted to 
vice president at one of the firms. And I just had this moment of like, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't know what I want to do. I don't know what it feels like. All I know is I'm supposed to be really excited right now because this is what I've been working towards. And I just, I'm not. And that was actually a really scary feeling. Then I really had to step back and be like, well, this was supposed to make you happy and it's not. So what is it? And that's where I really had to kind of go within myself and spend some time with myself with that. Right. Mm -hmm. Now there was a few other things going on in my life at the time. It was 2014 and I was living in San Francisco in a very tiny shoebox apartment. Like 400 square feet. (laughs) Yeah, right. I know. I know. I don't even remember. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think I got a little luckier than 400 square feet, but I had been there for a while and, you know, living in the city is great. I loved my time in San Francisco, you know, but I think it had its expiration date. And so I was kind of feeling that at the same time as well as, you know, I'm not really happy with where I'm at professionally. Like it just doesn't feel right to me. And at the same time, and I left this out of my story for a long time because I was embarrassed about it, but I was also in a long distance relationship with someone in Southern California. And the reason I'm more pro on sharing that now is because I feel like love is our strongest driving emotion to do anything. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what? I got to get out of here. and I want to go see if this is real, if this is something. So 2014, left San Francisco, quit the corporate job, moved to Southern California to pursue this relationship. And I did not have a job in place. I didn't have anything. I just remember thinking like, well, this is what I want to pursue right now for myself. And I'll just figure out the rest. Like maybe I'll just try consulting and seeing. So I almost fell into entrepreneurship as a way of financial survival. (laughs) (laughs) I I was more concerned about my personal life at the time for better or for worse. Right. Right. And I think that was Again, I was really embarrassed to tell that part of the story for a long time because I was like, oh, so cliche, like a woman following a man for this. And then when I got down here, the relationship pretty much exploded off the bat, but the business stuff started going really well. And I started consulting and just trying my hand at it. Uh And I was like, wow, like I actually really enjoy this. I like being my own boss. I like being able to set my own fees. I like being able to choose the clients that I'm working with. And I kind of didn't have a choice because it was out of literally, like I said, financial survival. And I think that's really interesting when I think back on it now, because a lot of people start their ventures as a side hustle, but they still have the security of the corporate job. And I did not have that. It was like, you got to go all in if you want to try. And so that's why I say I kind of fell into it. I love that. (laughs) I I do because it's, I mean, one, you followed your heart and your gut, which I wish more people would just do, mm-hmm. right? Because you could have opted to stay in the job and been miserable because that's the safer thing to do. Sure. And, you know, I have so much gratitude for that failed relationship now. I mean, I have so much gratitude for a lot of my failures, but because it got me down here. Right. And to be honest, I don't know if there would have been another really like that strong of a driving force to be like, okay, quit your cush six-figure job with your matching 401k you know, and you're all expenses trips to New York every other month and your cush rent controlled San Francisco apartment. I don't know if there would have been anything else that would have really pulled me from that. So now I have a lot of gratitude for it, but yeah. So 2014 started consulting and I actually was down in a market where the tech startup scene was small, but it was thriving. So it was really perfect for me at that time to be able to corner a market. I was only 30 years old. And so for me, I was like, I need something small yet 
within reach. And at the time, a lot of these companies were outsourcing to firms in LA and San Francisco, but all of a sudden here I was with a decade of experience in Silicon Valley, San Francisco in this market. And so I was able to really corner it pretty quickly. That's awesome. So what do you feel? What's that? Kind of how I fell in. Yeah, I love it. What do you feel like you did right in getting started? I think the first thing I did, which I did do right in at the time, I had no idea it was the right thing to do was just get a client. You know, oftentimes people say, okay, I have to get my website up and running. I have to have my accounting software up to date. I have to have all these logistical things in place before I can possibly start my business. And I'm not disagreeing with that. But in my mind, I kept thinking, well, if I don't have a client, I can't pay for any of those to do any of those things anyway. So I just really hustled to figure out, okay, who will work with me right now? I'm a first-time consultant. I was 30 years old. I had all this experience. I didn't quite know the model or how to do it yet. So for me, I think what I did right was get a client first. Because not only did that give me financial security for even just that month, at the time, it also gave me the confidence to be like, you can go out and get a client on your own. And if you don't have that, that I mean, that's your lifeline, right? Right. Well, and I love that because I've seen a number of entrepreneurs start and run businesses and surpass six figures and even go into multi-six figure with like no social presence, no website, no nothing. And yes, it's great to have that brand and it's great to have the validity and the kind of the authority with having those things but it shouldn't stop you from doing exactly what you did. I agree. And I think a lot of times that would have stopped me from, I don't want to say their excuses because I think those are very important things, but I know myself and I know if I would have said, okay, well, I need to wait till I can get the accounting software completely up and running first. And then I need to wait, oh, until the website's fully done and then I can start. And then I do this and then I can start. I know me, I would not have started. (laughs) (laughs) So what's the journey been like from, all right, oh crap, I need to get a client like yesterday Mm -hmm. to where you're at now? It's been a jungle gym. It's been an absolute (laughs) jungle gym. And that's what I kind of love about it. And, you know, people always say that path to success is not linear. They're a hundred percent right. So once I got to Southern California, the relationship exploded. I started consulting. I was pretty consistent. I actually ended up going to Southeast Asia for a few months, like completely unexpected. Somebody told me about an accelerator program there for entrepreneurs. And I thought, well, I'm consulting now. I think that makes me an entrepreneur, right? I'm not sure. Does it? (laughs) So, um, So I applied to this entrepreneurship program in Southeast Asia. It was a month and it was very cool. It was about 20 entrepreneurs from all over the world. And we all lived together in this house really in these villas for about a month and everyone kind of brought their own like some people were in finance some were in product I was the only one in PR I was one of four Americans and that really changed the game for me in a lot of ways because it changed my lens of the world I started doing work and consulting with more international tech startups which I really enjoyed and then I ended up staying in Southeast Asia another two months I found it to be a really magical part of the world I found there to be a ton of innovation there I was doing a lot of work in Singapore with international Mm -hmm. tech startups there and venture capital firms. And so for the next two years after that, I was actually traveling and working. I was really early to the whole digital nomad thing. So this was like 2014 through 16. And 
there I was, I was in Western Europe. I was in Africa. I was in Southeast Asia with my trusty little laptop doing my consulting and just traveling. And I had never really done that. All I had was my two week vacation when I was working in San Francisco. And that helped my business in so many ways. Cause again, it kind of just changed my perspective and my lens of business, of other cultures, of working with people. Mm-hmm. And that lends itself so nicely just to my practice and what I was trying to build. So came back to Southern California in 2016, continued consulting. And then I actually ended up building it out into a consultancy, which became Dialed PR, which is my firm. And during that time, actually LinkedIn reached out to me. At the time they were buying lynda.com, which is the biggest e-online education, e-online, online education platform. <laughs> I can't speak. And they were looking for PR authors. And they asked me if I wanted to be a PR author and instructor for LinkedIn Learning, which was pretty cool. So starting in 2016, I had the consultancy. Then I added on instructing and teaching with LinkedIn Learning. So if you go on the platform, I have five or six courses up there right now geared towards entrepreneurs, Mm -hmm. PR-related topics. And that's kind of how it was cruising for a while. And I still kind of had the travel bug in 2018. You know, it had been a couple of years and I, I thought I need to go out and do some traveling again. I just really need to clear my head. I was really busy. I felt a little burnt out. And so mid 2018, I actually took off and went to Greece. Um, yeah, I, cool. yeah, my mother's side is Greek. So we have a lot of family in Crete and I was feeling really burnt out. So I thought, you know what? I was in a position where I could take a couple months off. I was like, I just need to go clear my head. And so I went to Greece for the summer 2018, had the most amazing quintessential Greek summer. It was awesome. And during that time, I was kind of thinking about what's next. Like, what is going on with me and my mind with this business, with PR? Like, where do I want to take this next? I was happy with what I was doing, but I think I always had that entrepreneurial mindset of, okay, I have a problem. I'm going to solve it. I have this problem. How am I going to solve it? Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I had kind of recognized over the last several years of consulting and freelancing was there was not one centralized space for PR and communications professionals to go find remote work. Now, I had been remote working for about four years now at this point, and I was very lucky that a lot of my work came through my network in Silicon Valley and San Francisco. But I'll tell you, like there was months where I thought, I don't know how I'm going to pay my mortgage. I don't know how I'm going to, you know. I mean, the financial struggle is real because it's not like, oh, on the 15th, I'm getting this paycheck every month anymore. Right. Yeah. And there's ups and downs in revenue. A hundred percent. Even when like things are going well. So a hundred percent and all those unknown costs, right. Of like being a business owner and depending on what state you're in, you're like, oh, this is an unknown cost that just popped up. So you really have to be prepared for a lot. Right. So I just remember thinking like, there's not one centralized place to go because when I didn't have work, I would hit my network, but then I would also be Googling. I'd be like a PR freelancer job, like work consultant, this type of thing. And more often than not jobs would pop up, but they were marketing focused. They were not true public relations. So when I got back from Greece after the summer of 2018, I thought, I don't know why this doesn't exist, a remote jobs list for PR and communications professionals, but I'm just going to start sourcing jobs and see if it's too hard. Maybe there's just not that many out there. And so I started doing it on my own. I got back and I remember the first week I thought, okay, I'm going to put out a list every single week and just see how many I can find. 
And so I put out the first week, I found 10 jobs and I sent it to about 25 freelance PR friends and said, hey, is this helpful? Of course, they all wrote back and said, yes, thank you. You're sending us leads. Appreciate it. So I did this the next week and then the next week and the next week. After about a month, people were asking, hey, how do I get on your email list? I heard you're sending out jobs. And I thought, oh, this is really interesting because I was just kind of testing for viability at that point. But after a couple of months, I threw the whole thing in MailChimp so people could opt in. And I mean, it was insane. This first six or seven months, this list grew organically 100% month over month. Wow. So I thought, well, okay, there's some demand for this. And so soon after, I started getting a little bit support on the sourcing side because it was a lot. It was difficult to find the jobs. And it made sense why people were interested in this because it is difficult to find the work. And I threw the whole thing. We built out a whole subscription side around it now. So now it's a very nominal fee and PR and communications professionals get more than 120 hot leads every single month. I think it's like 40-ish per week or so. And on the site, there's also resources, templates, courses, guides. And it's turned into a real central hub for PR and communications professionals that want to do work remotely. And it's, yeah, so it's all remote. It's broken up into part-time, full-time, freelance type gigs. And I'll tell you, like, especially in the last year or so, when the whole world has gone remote, it's been really cool because it's helped a lot of people find work, especially during this time, because unfortunately PR is one of the first line items to go. And at the beginning of the pandemic, we saw a lot of PR layoffs. Yeah. And I've talked to a number of entrepreneurs who their business is just vaporized overnight. So they've come up with really cool and creative ways to pivot, but having a resource like this would be phenomenal. Yeah. I'm curious. I want to circle back to your digital nomad too. I could imagine that it'd be really easy to get distracted with being in a new location and wanting to explore and doing that over the work Um, or missing all of the great stuff that is in the new location because you are doing a lot of work. How did you find the balance there and any recommendations for somebody who might want to, as we're starting to open back up again, uh, maybe travel and work a little bit more? That's a great question. And I struggled with that a lot at first because you're absolutely right. You're like, I'm in a new place. I want to go explore. The time zone's different. I don't even know, am I going to be staying in this location the whole time? And it was a bit of trial and error. When I first did it, I was working with US clients. So I had a bit of structure to a degree because I did have certain deadlines on certain US time zones. And so I kind of used those as my starting point. But yes, it was really hard when, you know, I'm in Bangkok and I'm like, I want to go explore and have fun, right? (laughs) The time zone does kind of work in your favor a little bit because oftentimes, you know, when the U.S. is sleeping, you can go out and explore. But of course, you still need to sleep and whatnot. So I kind of just found my groove based on a couple of factors. One being like, hey, what deadlines do I have to meet and have to get this done by? And then I kind of found myself in a space where it was, all right, like, I'm going to work heads down like these two days and then I'm going to go explore for two days. And I would do that in some countries or I would just have to set boundaries with myself on, you know, you have to meet this deadline at this point in time. And yeah, you have to sacrifice going out here one night or going and doing this one day, but you kind of find your groove based on what country you're in and what the time zone is. That's a big piece of it. Right. And 
what the expectations are if you're client facing that they have. You know, if you're not client facing, you have a lot more freedom. Awesome. What did you learn? Like, what was the hardest thing? Was it doing managing the time zones or in building your business and being abroad? What did I learn doing this abroad specifically? Mm -hmm. I would say a big part was I learned how to be with myself. Oh, that's huge. Yeah, I learned, especially being in corporate America, like you're never by yourself. You're with a team, you're part of a, you know, I have to be there every day at this time. Like, this is when I take my lunch break. This is when we're going to happy hour. You're never truly by yourself. And, you know, people talk about how this road in entrepreneurship, this road to the top can be lonely. And I really did experience that here stateside, but especially abroad, because when you take into account especially the time zones with that is too, but I learned how to show up for myself. I learned how to trust myself Mm -hmm. and my gut when it came to ideas, when it came to hiring people, when it came to pivoting the business. And that really helped me learn how to trust myself in other areas of my life, because it's when it's your own venture, it's your own venture, right? I mean, yeah, you can ask people's advice, but no one's ever going to be in the same exact shoes that you are. Absolutely. I think that's amazing. And because I know so many people who fill their day with some sort of interaction, not because they truly love it, but because they don't want to be by themselves. Right. And they're afraid to be lost in their own thoughts for any point of time. Right. And don't get me wrong. I definitely fall into that camp sometimes where I'm like, you know, I don't want to be with my thoughts right now. But I also am very conscious of it now. And I know I wasn't 10, 15 years ago. Yeah. That's really cool. Let's talk about PR and like how that magic works. <laughs> um, because as I said, that's not my area of knowledge base at all. And I know for a lot of entrepreneurs, they want to play in that arena, but they have no idea. And they feel like there's a huge barrier between them because they are either new or they're small and they don't have the connections to get into TV, radio, magazines, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So how does somebody get started? <laughs> how do we get known? How do you get known? How, I know, right? Well, let me first start by saying that I think a huge myth around PR is that you have to know somebody, that you have to have a relationship with that reporter, that you have to know somebody. I think that's a huge myth. And You know, I have a lot of clients that come to me all the time and say, well, I'll only hire you if you have a relationship with this reporter at Forbes. And I just think that's the silliest thing because I have relationships with a lot of journalists. And if I don't have a good story and I go to them with my relationship, what they're going to say to me is, no, Andrea, I'm not going to write about this. It's not a good story. (laughs) So so it, it doesn't really matter to a degree. What I always counsel on with anyone. It doesn't matter if you're a solo entrepreneur. It doesn't matter if you're a fortune 500 company. It's what is your story and is your story good? Because that's, what's going to get you in front of the press. That's, what's going to get a reporter to respond to your email, your tweet, your phone call, whatever it might be. Sure. Like having a relationship can maybe get you in the door, but it could equally be no, as it could be. Yes. is my right. point. So My advice, first and foremost, is what is your story? And a story is not, I have this idea. A story is not, oh, I'm launching this. The story is, you know, why should I care? Why should I care right now? Who is this impacting? What is this changing? 
who's been using this product or service? What traction do I have? Who's invested in it? Like basically who's got my back on this? You know, it has to be the full overarching like, story arc. And that's a lot different than it was even 10 years ago when I think just having an idea for something was enough. And it takes a lot more now to get a story than just, I have this idea for right. something. So I have this idea and here's who it's impacting and here's why it matters right now. That's so cool. So if somebody was getting started and they weren't quite ready to hire you, Mm -hmm. what would they do or what should they not do? Let's talk about that. (laughs) (laughs) What should they not? I mean, I think it's going to go back to kind of similarly to what I just said. I can't tell you how many times I get the phone call of, I want to be in TechCrunch. I want to be in TechCrunch. And my first question is, okay, I'm not saying this is reasonable or unreasonable, but why do you want to be in TechCrunch? And a lot of times the answer is just, oh, it's the rite of passage. And I stopped them right there because when you go back to what PR is and like what you're using it for, it is the business objective. You have to have a business objective like any other strategy that you're using for your business, right? Mm-hmm. So a lot of times people will use PR because they want to get notoriety. Why do you want to get notoriety? Because you want to gain more customers. You want investor awareness. You ultimately want more app downloads, whatever it might be, because ultimately you want to make more money, right? Right. So I'll look at these companies too and be like, okay, who's your audience? And oftentimes it's really not an audience that lends itself to the tech crunch audience. And so it's really kind of dialing it back to, okay, like if your goal of using PR is to attract more customers so you can in turn make more money, doesn't it make sense to go where those customers are reading? Yeah. Do you feel like, and it's what you just said with the rite of passage, like entrepreneurs are choosing the place that they want to be at because it's the rite of passage or it's a cool place or without aligning it to what their end goal is. It's just the, they see the shiny object of like, I want to be on the today show for instance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, who can blame them? I understand the excitement that comes with something like that. Right. At the end of the day, what's important about PR is aligning it with like, who's your buying audience. Who's the audience that matters that's going to generate some kind of impact for your business? Because, I mean, I've gotten clients on the front page of the Wall Street Journal and it hasn't converted to anything. It has nothing to do with the Wall Street Journal, no one reading the Wall Street Journal. It's like, is that where your audience is, right? Right. So what not to do, I would say, don't look at PR from a vanity perspective. Look at it as how can it best serve my business? And the first thing you would do is identify who is the audience and what are they reading? Because ultimately, that's the most important publication for you to get into. That's the most important right. report for you to talk to. Right. That's awesome. And you have a really cool resource on your website for people who are reaching out to reporters, right? Oh, I do. It's a free guide I created. It's um, nine PR mistakes to avoid. Yeah. So that's a great place to get started. And um, let's share so everybody can download it, what your website is too. Love it. You can find that at andreaholland.com. Awesome. And we will, of course, have the link in the show notes. Tell us a little bit about what's in the guide without giving it all away, of course. (laughs) Nine common PR mistakes to avoid. I think it's the simplest things of when you are crafting your email pitches, like what do they need to look like? What's important in there to get a reporter to actually respond to you? When you are doing a media interview, Mm -hmm. what are the important things that you need to touch on? How do you best prepare for that? 
those kind of things. Um, in what order do you actually need to do all these different things in your PR campaign? You know, just because you write a press release does not mean that all of a sudden the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal is going to write a story about you. What mistakes are you making around the press release that are inhibiting you from getting that media coverage? That type right. of thing. I like it. That, I mean, that's, that's really helpful because I'm sure most people are making all of those mistakes and more. You don't know what you don't know. I mean, yeah, absolutely. So I've been asking this question of a lot of the people I've had on the, or entrepreneurs I've had on the podcast. What's next for you as we're coming out of COVID very slowly? You said you got your shot. Yay. And what are you planning in the next six months to a year? So I'm actually taking a bit of a, I wouldn't say it's a hard right pivot, but I'm starting to integrate some new things into my business. What I've found over the last few years is that I counsel a lot of CEOs and founders for startups. And I will tell you more often than not, those conversations that we have about their business and how they're going to grow and the types of products or services they're putting out, a lot of times they kind of turn into life coaching therapy sessions. And I'm like, well, I'm not really... I'm not really fully equipped for this, but I have found that it's pretty consistent. Yeah. Which makes perfect sense, actually, when you think about it, because, you know, it's never fully just about the product. It's never fully about like what's on the surface. It's this deeper, you know, especially as a founder. And I found this to be true for myself. Like, yeah, there's imposter syndrome about things. There's self-doubt about things. There's often these internal barriers that prevent us from going to get what we want to get. So I am starting to combine the PR stuff with a bit of coaching training. So I actually spent COVID and got a certification from the International Coaching Federation. Oh, great. Health and business coaching and starting to integrate that into my practice. And I actually have plans to go back to school later this year for a master's in clinical psych. Oh, fun. That'll be so helpful. I'm excited. I can say as a business coach, I'm going to say 80% of what I do is mindset. Absolutely. Because even at you know the CEO level and the C-suite, still, it's not your knowledge. Like that's the easy part. It's getting out of your own way and moving those limitations of what you think is possible to the side so that you can see the potential and the opportunity that's in front of you. It's so true. And it's something that I wish I had kind of worked with a coach with myself early on. I'm grateful that I found it a few years into yeah. building ventures, but it's so important. It's arguably the most important thing, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Andrew, this has been amazing and we could probably chat for another two hours, <laughs> uh, but unfortunately we do have to wrap up. So would you mind sharing again how people can connect with you? Absolutely. You can find everything about me at andreahallen.com. And then from there, there are links out to my PR consultancy, which is dialedpr.com. And then the job site, remotepr.jobs.com. But all of my online courses, everything is on andreaholland.com, on Twitter at Andrea Holland, and then on same on Instagram. Awesome. Thank you so much. This has been so much fun. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Amy. Oh, you're so welcome. And for everybody listening, we will see you next week. Thank you so much for being a listener of the Tribe of Leaders podcast. I am so grateful for each and every episode that you tune in and listen to. And I hope that you get a ton of value that you can implement starting today. And I do have just a quick favor. If you wouldn't mind hopping on to wherever it is that you listen to podcasts and leave us a rating and review, it would help us tremendously 
so that the Tribe of Leaders podcast can be found more easily and help inspire other entrepreneurial leaders. 